everybody welcome back to another fantastic episode of hard in the paint the nba podcast where we ask the hard questions about the nba and free agency loyalty doesn't matter i am your host uh matt again accompanied by my favorite cohort michael and today we are going to be talking about the amazing amazing summer that the la lakers have had in the past week as well as what is possibly the next uh, game-breaking, dynasty-forming trade of all time in the, in the DeMarcus Cousins trade to the Golden State Warriors. Um, those are the two big things we're going to hit today. Of course, there's been all sorts of other free agency rumblings going on. Um, right as of this recording, Tony Parker's going to the Charlotte Hornets on this beautiful Friday, July 6th. So why don't we just hop right into... LeBron, the king of the new Magic Kingdom, the new captain of Showtime himself, a disciple of Magic Johnson, LeBron James. So, what is going on with LeBron right now? Uh, I mean, the big thing is at least there was no tampering involved with trying to get LeBron. You know, that is a net win across the board. I was very surprised this summer that there had been no tampering problems going on in the NBA. There was a couple of rumors going around. Well, I, you know, I was going to try and gloss over that part, but um, naturally, Paul George, of course, stuck with OKC, which is, I think, the probably biggest upset of the summer. From... Do you think it's a fuck up? Do you think he messed up? Well, uh, hold on. Let's let's talk about who's on this LA team first before Paul George screwed up. So, who is on this LA team right now? Uh, we got Lonzo Ball. So, so we have some picks, right? That Lakers have basically been a bottom Western Conference team for the last four or five years. Um, so, in the draft, they've picked up Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and obviously D'Angelo Russell is out. Picked up Mo Wagner. Um, they also re-signed KCP. Um, they all have also had Josh Hart, and they're still stuck on the Luol Dang contract. Um, and then obviously they signed LeBron. And then you know in the next twenty four hours after that they bring in Javale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Rondo. I think that's pretty much everybody. Um, maybe one or two more other guys. This is kind of crazy to me right now. Um, I'm kind of not surprised that they passed up on Julius Randle. I think he's over in the Pelicans' territory now, so that'll be a cool dynamic to see what they do now that they don't have Boogie or Rondo. But let's let's talk about LA right now. So when you're looking at their best, I guess three or four players, what what are you what are you really seeing as they're like, you know, as their strengths? Um, they've got playoff experience with Rondo, LeBron, Lance, Vale McGee. They've got some nice talent in Ingram, Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball. Um, I actually think Lonzo Ball is going to be one of the bigger beneficiaries of having LeBron there. Um, you know, arguably now you've got two of the top eight passers in the league. Um, and you got Brandon Ingram who can basically play anywhere from shooting guard to power forward if you really want him to so you know 
hopefully they can kind of keep this team together. I'm kind of interested. Um, they definitely need some more three-point shooting. You know, maybe Melo um, comes into the fray. Maybe they pick up Manu. That's kind of interesting. Um, You're right. They do need some more three-point shooting, though, because what I'm seeing right now is some kind of inconsistent shooters. You've got some really good playmakers. Um, but at this perimeter position, you know, you've got Rondo, not historically a great distance shooter. You got Lance, also historically not a great distance shooter. <laughs> you've got LeBron, who's been he's solid, but he's he doesn't take a lot. He's yeah, probably yeah. their best. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's probably their best. I think um I don't know, KCP might might have a better numbers, but that's probably just off of sheer volume. Yeah, I think it's I think this team is also kind of waiting out the rest of the Kawhi situation as well as how the 2019 offseason kind of pans out. Um, you know, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, you know, are both names that we've heard and both of those guys would easily give them some shooting. Um Another guy I like, especially if the Spurs, you know, continue to sort of blow up that team, Danny Green um, or Clay Thompson. Those are some other three-point shooting. Um, obviously, Boogie's off the board now um, at Golden State. But, I mean, they've, they've still got options. Um, I still don't think this team is set, you know, like the way it is. I, mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Markel Fultz thrown into the mix here yeah it definitely feels like this is a work in progress it feels almost like the the cleveland team from last year it's like let's put a bunch of assets together of some older players some playmakers maybe not the best fit for each individual player but we've got enough kind of pieces parts um, that maybe they'll all fit together and work out well, or if they don't, we still ship them out in packages for certain players that we want instead. And especially oh, I, true with these one-year deals they've all signed as well. I think it's kind of the flip. Uh, because this theme is very guard-heavy. Uh, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram could play the two. KCP, Lance, Rondo. You know, Cleveland, the big thing they were missing was a point guard or just any other ball handler. And here, I mean, right off the bat, you could say Ball, Lance, or KCP could at least shed some minutes so LeBron could play off ball. Um, so she so hasn't really done since Miami. You're saying they they have a guard log jam, I guess, a little bit, and they have a good amount of playmakers and passers and people that can function with the ball in their hand. But what is the starting lineup going to be? Because that's what I'm most confused by. Um, for 2018 or 2019, this could be kind of interesting. Like, if the season started right now, well, who's your starting five, and then who's like your two men off the bench? Uh, Lonzo at the one, Brandon Ingram at the two. Um, yeah, it gets kind of awkward. Le- LeBron's got to play, I guess, the three. They don't really have a four, unless I guess you move. Ingram to the four and KCP to the two and then JaVale at the five. Um and then Rondo Lance uh would be your bench. I mean that'd be that'd be your seven man rotation, which is not good. I mean it's good enough to get you back into the playoffs, and I mean you gotta start somewhere, right? Um 
But I mean, this team is clearly yearning for the 2019 offseason um, when you got those big names out there. Yeah, yeah. I think you're you're kind of hitting on that. They want to show that they have promise, that they're like a step away, like a superstar away, that somebody comes over next year. And I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you on your starting five. I I think <laughs> I think if I picked a starting five, it'd be Rondo at one. And then number two would be ACP. Number three would be. Brandon Ingram at number three, make LeBron play power forward. Oh, shit. <laughs> and put uh maybe you start JaVale then. And then you can have you can have Lonzo and Kuzma come off the bench and just, you know, tear up any bench squad. And you'll have Lance as well in case one of those guys is having an off night. And you also have the the uh, future Dirk of Mo Wagner. We can't can't pass him up. I'm not convinced Mo Wagner is still on this team uh, in October. But I think I you're like right, but yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of LeBron at the four. Um, one thing that we've consistently seen is uh, superstars move to the post more and more uh, later in their career. Kobe, MJ, um, Paul Pierce, um, you know, those guys tend to move down to the post a lot more. And that'd yeah. be kind of interesting for LeBron. I think it makes sense because they, they don't really have a good bully down low player. Um, you know, they got rid of Julius Randle. He was kind of their only real, you know, mid-post threat. Uh, you know, he can play make from the post if his guys could shoot more threes. Yeah. Of course, it will save his body like an extra season. Um, and it already gives a more matchup nightmare for that team because I think... Brandon Ingram's technically taller than him, so uh, there it'll probably be like a three-four mismatch almost every time. But he has—he, I think he mentioned somewhere that he was in one of these like Magic Johnson interviews that he was more willing to play in the post this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think LeBron wants to play off-ball, and this um, roster gives him that opportunity, um, especially to bring in someone like Kawhi. I mean, if Kawhi's on this team, I mean, a lot of these problems get solved. Yeah, or, you know, even some of the other guys you mentioned, like uh, Paul George or Jimmy Butler. <laughs> um, Clay Thompson, dude. You know, I kind of... So I'm thinking about this post thing. I'm thinking about, you know, Rondo. He played with AD a lot last year. And in that playoffs, AD, like, pretty much always got a good post-up off. And Rondo almost always made a good entry pass. So I'm, you know, that's like the biggest problem with playing in the post, right? Is nowadays the way you can kind of position players, you can sort of deny the post pass and deny any back cut because you can almost five second violation your other player at all times. Yeah. So I think with Rondo and I think Lonzo can do this and. With LeBron being the recipient, I think you'll be able to see that either like super fast post up that causes a mismatch in transition, or even in like a slower half court, he'll always be able to get that um, post spot that he wants. So I'm convinced that that's a decent fit, but I'm, you know, 
What about a Rondo LeBron pick and roll game? I don't see it really. I don't. I don't feel like LeBron is ever the guy setting the screen in a pick and roll. Like, what if LeBron actually plays the five? Because you can't play JaVale McGee like all those minutes, right? So eventually, you're gonna have to go small ball. LeBron is gonna be your small ball five right now. Well, you've got Zubats still. Like, uh, you know, that's like six minutes right there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you play LeBron at the five. You five. play. You play Brandon Ingram at the four. Then your three is KCP, and your two Lance. is Lance. Yeah, or you could switch. I mean, I would switch around. I put Lance at the three. I think Lance is a better uh, primary guy. Okay, and then you put Rondo at one, and you just right. basically this this team doesn't really work <laughs> unless you get Jimmy Butler, Clay. Kawhi, Danny Green, or a Kemba. So you want a or perimeter Dam- threat. Or Damian Lillard. Like, this team really does not work. You want a perimeter threat that can... that isn't a pass-first guy. I just think they need... they need somebody who can score. They need, like, a Lou Williams. Hmm. Wouldn't be bad. Maybe a uh, Jamal Crawford coming out of Minnesota. Eric Gordon. Uh, I don't see how Eric Gordon leaves Houston, but sure. <laughs> maybe he gets sucked into that mellow trade somehow. <laughs> what okay. about a Ryan Anderson? <laughs> I don't... You don't, you don't have Luol Dang's contract and Ryan Anderson's contract at the same time? Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. Okay, so speaking of deals... You know, when I'm looking at this team on paper, I'm thinking it's not going to be super great, but I also think that the sort of... uh, There's a huge variance between how much they could win and how much they could not win. Like, I feel like this could be like a 20-win team or like 55-win team. I think it's close to 55. Do you think they go... They definitely go over 500, is what you're saying. I believe in LeBron, yeah. Okay, so are we saying, like, 50 wins, 55 wins? Are we even going to go into the 60-win realm? Uh, yeah, I'll throw, I mean, it's, it's a possibility. I mean, LeBron, you know, his first stint in Cleveland um, had, I think, three years where he took that Cavs team to 60-plus games. Um, or, or somewhere right around there. You know, 58-plus wins. For those Cavs teams, which really all that they had was some defensive toughness. And I think, you know, he's going to find a way to change his style of play to make it work with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Kuzma, assuming they're there. So you think this team is better than the previous, the original Cavs team? Do you think it's better than the team he just left? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think it's, I think it's definitely a significant improvement. Now, how big of a deal is it that LeBron is now in the West? Is that is that going to heavily impact these win loss record? Do you think? 
Um, and I think the interesting thing is that all the teams in the West, outside of maybe Sacramento, are trying to get into the playoffs. Um, Denver, Phoenix, and Dallas are making huge pushes um, when none of them were in the past playoffs. Um, you're going to see Golden State, Houston, so that's like five teams, Minnesota, um, Portland. I mean, the Clippers are almost in there. I mean, they were only maybe two or three games out. The West is pretty tough. Um, you know, who knows with the Spurs? I mean, the Spurs could easily be anywhere from 50-plus wins to tanking, maybe? I mean, the I West is definitely hard, but I, I think that the, like, my predictions for their like their record is also based on the fact that they're not done with the roster moves i think if i'm gonna just kind of make a claim that if they don't change the roster at all i think they win like 48 games that might get you you know a six seven or eight seed um I mean, look at it last year. We had a one-game difference between the eighth seed. We had a play-in game, and basically it was Houston, Warriors, and then there was a... It's a bit of a drop to Portland, yeah. Yeah, Portland. Utah, Utah is still really good. Yeah, Portland, Utah, and then it was like this huge mix from basically the fifth seed all the way to the tenth seed in the West of like a two-game separation. So yeah, I think I think forty eight's reasonable. I don't think it's too high. I I I don't think it's too low either. Like I feel like they can win games just off of smartness. Maybe I know that seems weird, but it's just like this might be like one of the highest collective basketball IQ teams <laughs> ever formed, but has the least amount of jump shooting. I mean, you have JaVale McGee, so let's not get too carried away. Won a championship somehow. <laughs> you did get blocked by the rim. <laughs> so, I guess we're saying they're going to make the playoffs. Are we confident they're an 8th seed, a 7th seed? How how high do we want to go here? Uh, I'll give them a... I'll give them a 4th seed. I, I think they get some, some home playoff games. I'm going to go I with think, like seven, but yeah, keep keep going. Is, I think Houston's a real wild card. I, I'm not a fan of Mike D'Antoni's system. It's good in the regular season when nobody plays defense, but as soon as it ratchets up in the postseason, it just doesn't work. And you can't keep running Chris Paul into the ground. Like he needs to play 32 minutes or less. All all season. And I don't think Mike D'Antoni's going to do that. What you're saying is Lonzo Ball is going to the Houston Rockets. No. <laughs> I don't know. I would You can't pass up like how old is Lonzo? Like a 20, 21-year-old point guard? I mean, who can basically, you know, once he starts to figure out how to shoot I mean, he's definitely in the top eight passers in the league already, and he can't shoot. 
So I would not trade away Lonzo if I was the Lakers. Unless you're getting, like, Kawhi. Like, someone who's, you know, significantly a tier higher. I think I think they're going to be, like, a seventh seed. I think it'll be, like, a play-in type scenario again. Because when you're looking at great teams in the West, I'm having a hard time seeing how they fall off so much. Assuming everything stays the same right now. Of course, everything can change here in, like, an hour. Yeah. With, like, Damien coming to L.A., which would be insane and cool at the same time. Yeah, uh, plus, like, injuries. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, that was a huge deal last year because you look at the playing game with uh, Minnesota and Denver, it's like, oh, if Paul Millsap wasn't gone for yeah. 90% of the year, Pretty they would sure. definitely have been, like, a sixth seed. Yeah. Or if Boogie doesn't go down right around the All-Star break. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So what do you think are the uh, consequences kind of across the league uh, because of LeBron going west? Like, 1-16 to seeding, is this now, like, open? Is uh, open possibility? I don't think it is still. I think oh, there's man. still... I mean, like, I love the idea of, like, from just, like, a... If you could imagine there was no such thing as traveling and no such thing as like scheduling TV time, I love it. But I was I was trying to do like some of the math on the TV time and it's just it sucks living on the East Coast and having to watch like Golden State play. Like in the first round, because those games are at ten thirty and it's like, all right, you're gonna be up until two AM if you wanna see the end of this thing. So as part of like one to sixteen seeding, I think there's two different schools of thought. One is just you take the top sixteen uh, records at the end of the season, or you t- you still take eight from the east, eight from the west, and then you just reseed those. So you'd still have um, some form of parity and balance. You know, wh- which way do you think? Like. If I if I was gonna do a top sixteen, I would want it to be the purest form of sixteen possible. So yeah, I agree. I agree. I know tiebreakers and stuff, and playing more games in one conference than the other is still a problem. But um, like from just like a very essentialist point of view, I think one to sixteen is cool. I like it. It's better than one to eight, and then one to eight because let's be honest, the eight seed <laughs> in the East is gonna be really bad this year. Is it? I mean, all right. So, so LeBron has left the East. It's wide open. You know, there's a, there's a vacuum. Um, you know, Boston is probably going to be that team to fill that vacuum. Philly, Milwaukee, maybe second, and then after that, you got some peripherals like Miami, Toronto, Washington, Indiana, um, and then maybe your lower seed. Um, hopefuls like Charlotte, Chicago, and Detroit. So, how does the East look in a post-LeBron era? Well, I think that's uh, you know that needs a new figurehead, and right now it's Boston, right? They're the they're the guys to beat, led by well for the next two years. Then come the Knicks. Two years, the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Next two years, and then then when everybody goes to New York, um. But yeah, it's 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 definitely like Boston Philly, I think is what everybody thinks and then like after that maybe like Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto are in like that second tier. 
And like people are like, oh, the wizards. I'm like, well, they keep <laughs> falling apart somehow. Thank you, Jeff Green and Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah, that. I don't know. They're just hoping <laughs> for the best of that deal because that wasn't a great contract either. I mean, at least they shored up their front court, I guess. Well, I mean, they threw away Gortat, so they do need a replacement somehow. And you know, if maybe if that team was like six years ago, it would be good. But so, what about Cleveland? Um, they still have Kevin Love, who you know is I think twenty nine or thirty, so he's still got about three to four years um, in his prime. They need you know, to trade that he, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the best for Cleveland is is to trade him while they have him. Um, because I think he'll walk. I think he is con- He has one more year, so he could just walk um, after one season. But I think Kevin Love needs to go play with a five. Like he needs to go play with a big man. I think what he should do is he should. Well, I think Cleveland needs to obviously blow it up because they lost Jeff Green too, who was like their second best offensive player. <laughs> so their next two biggest assets are <laughs> Kyle Korver and. Kevin Love. 38-year-old 30, Kyle Korver. So put Kyle Korver on this Lakers team. No, put Kyle Korver on the Hornets. Tony Parker, Kyle Korver. I'm liking this. So so you need to get rid of Kyle Korver for probably like a pick somehow. And you need yeah. to get Kevin Love. I think it'd be cool for him to go back to Minnesota. Really? Yeah, so I don't you, think he could play in Tibbs's like grinding defense. I don't think so either, but it's a good fit because then you can. You what about can, Utah? Uh, yeah, but they just like re-signed Derek Favors at the power forward spot. Or Washington. Mm, I don't. I don't think he goes there. I don't. He doesn't feel like a Washington type guy to me. I mean, Washington would have loved to try to get Boogie, right? Like, whose game is as similar to Boogie as you can get? It's gonna be Kevin Love. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I would think like Carl Anthony Towns is closer to Boogie. <laughs> like, I think I think that team, if it was like. Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, um, whoever the heck Wiggins is replaced by, then Love, and then Towns. I feel like that's pretty good. All right, so what if we instead assume that Cleveland is going to be as stupid as it's shown in terms of, oh, here's Kyrie. Oh, let's take on all these really old guards. Oh, let's free up the Laker cap space so they can sign LeBron. What if they keep Kevin Love? They don't actually, they don't, you know, trade him away. They don't do a signing trade. He ends up walking away at the end of the season. So they get one one year with him. And you've got Colin Sexton, who I guess could be a rookie of the year candidate at this point. Um, Well, they didn't get Colin Sexton. Did they? Yeah, the eighth pick they got. Colin oh, eighth Sexton. pick. Sorry, I was thinking a different number. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, who honestly could probably be rookie of the year if they have Kevin Love and most of that core? Because I'm, I mean, they're still stuck with Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith's contracts. 
Uh, does that Cleveland team make the playoffs? In the East? No. Wow. I think... Yeah, because you're... Okay. Well, I don't know. I think there's a reasonable chance Miami could drop out. I mean, the East might just be so bad that Cleveland can get up there. I think the Brooklyn Nets will be the eighth seed. I don't think so. I think I think Brooklyn, if they're smart, they will look to tank uh, and then go hard in 2019. And, uh, the salary cap's going to go up by about $7 million. They're going to have teams. You're going to have about 11 to 12 teams in the league who will have salary cap space with a ton of really good free agents out there. So I think if you're Brooklyn or the Knicks, you know, get get Kristaps back healthy. If you're if you're the Nets, you know, just try and dump everyone um at the end of the year, which they're already basically doing with uh that Dwight trade that they made to get rid of Mozgov. I think the Nets are looking to tank and then go for it in twenty nineteen. I just want to see the Nets do well. <laughs> it's been so long. So, with LeBron out of the East, who do you think is going to be like the next personality in the in, to take over that conference? Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Giannis. Oh, it's Embiid. It's got to be. It's him or Kyrie. Does Embiid stay healthy though? I don't know if he stays healthy. That's that's actually still a good question. But it's a, also a good question for Kyrie, too. I mean, he's gotten injured, like, every other year, like, pretty consistently. Yeah, I think Kyrie is kind of like Steph in a way, where you have to have somebody else on that team that can take over the load a little bit just to stop him from picking up all these knocks. Um, all right, so LeBron's on the uh, the Lakers. Whoa, whoa. And Kyrie... You haven't even what? mentioned, I think you're about to say it now, is that we have this great Lakers-Celtics rivalry going on yeah, again. Yeah, Kyrie's like leading the Celtics now. So now we got this like old-school Lakers-Celtics rivalry going. I mean, you know, are we going to be able to see this? I kind of don't think the windows align, but I think it'll be fun to see. It'll be a Christmas Day game. Oh, most definitely. Either that or a Golden State-Boston game. Ooh, that would be pretty good. Uh, it'd probably be Golden State, Houston, or something like that. So, okay, in the East, you know, we're going to kind of drop into a time machine here a little bit. Who feels the worst about LeBron leaving to the Lakers? Uh, the Derrick Rose Bulls, the Paul George Roy Hibbert Pacers, or the Lowry DeRozan Raptors. Who feels the worst? As in, like, yeah. <laughs> like who feels like? Are you fucking kidding me? He's leaving now. Like, oh, probably Paul Rose George. Bulls, Paul George, Roy Hibbert, like Pacers. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> they were kind of like they were almost favorites in that year. I think to kind of upset. Yeah, I mean, one year they did have the number one seed over Miami. Yeah, that was that was a that was a really tight series too. 
Yeah, one year they went to seven games, and another year they went to six. Um, how pissed off is Skip Bayless for LeBron going to LA? <laughs> oh man, that guy's been wrong about literally everything this off season. Like, I, I've even stopped watching his stuff like just entirely. Like, I, I I don't even I the only people I watch anymore are are like Jalen Rose in the morning, and then I'll occasionally watch a Colin Coward. That, that's about it. Like everyone else just gets stuff wrong all the time. Uh so how pissed off do you think Kevin Durant is about LeBron basically always being the focus of the NBA? Kevin Durant just won back-to-back championships, finals MVPs, you know, essentially destroyed a Cavs team um that now no longer has Kyrie or LeBron. Basically, he might have set back the East for like four years, and nobody is talking about Kevin Durant. Well, I think it comes down to, I think everybody last year kind of gave him some undue credit about being the best small forward in the league. And I think this year, especially after that game one of the finals, everyone was like, oh, hold on, LeBron's still the best guy ever. And... Now, you know, with how much expected they were to win that, and then everybody kind of knew it was LeBron's, LeBron was up for, a, a, could could opt into his option this year, but, you know, with the Kawhi stuff shaking up too, I mean, geez Louise, it, it kind of almost had like a 2010 vibe again. It's just, if you're Kevin Durant, like, how much more can you really take your game, right? I mean, you know, aside from the MVP trophies, which he can't really win being on this Golden State team, he's doing as much as he can. I mean, back-to-back years, he's basically outplayed LeBron eight of nine games, or maybe seven of nine games. He has, like, outplayed LeBron in the finals. And yet... It seems like people are still saying the gap between LeBron and Kevin Durant basically can't be overcome by Kevin Durant, who's you know coming up on 29, 30 years old. Um, and obviously he's a shooter, so he'll be around like for a long time. But It comes down to, I think it comes down to that, that year that LeBron took a team to the finals where he was the only name on his team. I think when you think about that and you think about KD, I mean, sure, they had that one year with the Thunder, but he had the trio of people. And he hasn't had to do the sort of solo act anywhere, really. Yeah, I mean, I've always felt that the whole Kevin Durant-LeBron thing, um, you know, Kevin Durant's probably the better scorer um, player right now, maybe. But LeBron has that legacy. I mean, from the age of 18, LeBron has been expected to win not just one championship, but multiple. Um, He obviously came in wearing 23, you know. um, He was basically the heir to be to Michael Jordan. And Kevin Durant's never really had that kind of pressure on him um, to just absolutely succeed. But Kevin Durant can fix this. He's got he's got two possible things that I think he can do. And I think he knows this, which is why he keeps signing all these short-term deals with Golden State. One is he can go to the Knicks, 
uh, and win a championship in New York um, and resurrect a franchise to take on LeBron's Lakers, uh, Steph's, you know, Warriors or Kyrie's Celtics, you know, the Celtics, Warriors, Knicks, Lakers, kind of this old school rejuvenation. Or he joins LeBron in L.A. Together they build a championship contending team. Then LeBron retires and essentially passes the keys of the league to Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant takes it from there. I, I like whoever goes to the Knicks is going <laughs> to lead them to some amazing championship. And it's going to be such a great legacy move. The Knicks are going to be really good in 2020. Like, I feel like this is some like undercurrent that I keep hearing about certain superstar players all the time. Scott Perry, man. It's, it's, he's the GM there, and I have faith. I have faith. He was part of the front office to draft Kevin Durant in Seattle. He helped build those Detroit Eastern Conference teams in the mid-2000s. I got to believe in the guy. Um, so is LeBron going to the Lakers uh, essentially waving the white flag against Kevin Durant and Steph and the Warriors? Has LeBron basically said, "I, you guys beat me. I've given up. I'm going to go and build my billion-dollar empire in entertainment. Well, that's a good that's a good point. A lot of people say, "Oh, this is the best move if he wants to make a business." And it's not the best move if he wants to win a championship. And I'd have to agree with them because he had so many other places he could have gone. He doesn't have to sign a max everywhere, but that's kind of his prerogative. I don't know. It I think it could be waving the white flag, but you know that this is not really their final form. Like like you mentioned, I think next year, when another maybe some trades happen during the year, or still more in the summer, or even next summer, we'll see how this team kind of metamorphosizes into what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think if you have LeBron and Kawhi. And you have anybody else on that team, they can take a run at Golden State. Yep. So, or or do you think LeBron has, instead of waving the white flag, he's actually declaring a war on Golden State because if Golden State get to another finals appearance uh, this year, it'll be five straight. LeBron just went to eight. And, you know, possibly walked away from getting to nine. Maybe his idea is I can take them out in the West where, you know, if we just go into a grinding season where Steph, you know, picks up these small little injuries, uh, maybe attrition of the season just gets to this team. They don't make five straight finals appearances. And that kind of saves LeBron some face. I am not against this idea of... This is a conspiracy Mike talking. Instead of waiting <laughs> to play the best team in the finals, why not be like, prep yourself for the matchup and just like 
try and meet with them in the first round or second round and then take them take them out early and then get smooth sailing from there on out yeah like conspiracy mike thinks uh lebron is helping other west teams instill fear into golden state so they won't pick up the number one seed they won't pick up the number two seed they'll drop to number three and they might get a a scare in the uh, second round of the playoffs and historically golden state is kind of bad in that first round and even if the Lakers don't aren't the team to beat them, LeBron basically uh, set the stage. Or uh, this actually has nothing to do with winning a title, and LeBron is going to the Lakers, and he will win an MVP this season. Will win a season MVP. Maybe his goal is just to get a statue, and at the Lakers facility. Oh, one on the East Coast, one on a. Uh... One on the west. Join Shaq and Kobe and all the other guys over there. Get a statue. Lake, Lake Erie and Pacific. Yep. I don't know. I think he has a real chance to uh, take the MVP next year. Um, last two years has been very guard dominant with Steph, Russ, and James Harden. Um, it's been a few years since we've seen a big man take the MVP award. I mean, you know, who's going to do the scoring and passing and rebounding on that team? I mean, he set himself up right now to kind of fill the stat sheet. MVP number five, dude. He's been in the conversation, of course, every year. Uh, it's going to be a little tough just off of, you know, his record's got to be pretty good for him to get it. But I mean, if he does, if he wins a title, with LA. Like where where does that put him? Because right now I have LeBron as the second greatest player of all time. I mean he's on the Mount Rushmore, I think. Right? Like Yeah, I mean I, I have him at number two. So I mean that's that's if he retires tomorrow. He's he's already locked up number two for me. He so is he wins he's not title, for me. He wins a title with the Lakers. That'll be three teams that he's won a title with, which I believe only two other players have ever done. Uh, Robert Ory and John Sally are you know, both essentially role players. That's true. He would be one of the few star players to win titles with different teams. But and, that's, that's just not something star players do, though, is jump around so much. Yeah, but here's the one thing a star player has never done. LeBron, if he wins in LA, wins a title in LA, he'll he'll have dominated both conferences. He'll have shown, oh man, I had the East on lock for about 10 years. And I just killed the West. I I actually am the best player. I won in both conferences. I, I think that's a good point. But, you know, we have to see this team win first. Now, a championship from a whole new roster is a big expectation. So what about this idea of LeBron? You know, he could have gone to Houston or Philly um, and joined a super team. But he and Paul George and Kyrie have started kind of shifting the narrative um, sort of you know, is this the beginning of the end of the super team? 
I I think the Paul George idea is the bigger change. Shifting this, I think. He Nobody said, wants to play with LeBron. Yeah, I I, I think <laughs> it's a very peculiar person that likes yeah, that likes the Oklahoma area first of all, but second of all. <laughs> Apparently, Russ is just, like, a bomber teammate. Like, he's amazing. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't rule out Billy Donovan being a really good recruiter. I mean, I think Billy Donovan's a really good recruiter. We saw this when he was uh, the head coach at Florida. So, I'm I'm not... He signed a four-year deal, which is even the crazier part to me. Uh, I don't know. The I think the injury that he had a few years ago... Like, this makes sense. Like, he's got his money kind of guaranteed. Um, he's got a long-term contract for a guy that hasn't really, you know, recovered from that injury. Like, he's he still really hasn't gotten to that peak Paul George that we saw before the, uh, the leg injury. Uh, maybe he knows this mellow trade's coming. Maybe that's why he stayed. I think it's a combination of he wants to play it a bit safe. He knows that if he goes to LA, he'll be expected to carry some of the load from LeBron because LeBron's obviously 34, um, as well as immediate expectation of title, um, hometown pressure, stuff like that. I don't think Paul George is caught up for it. Yeah, I mean, he might also be in the camp of, all right, I got four years left, and then my next contract will be L.A. Maybe that's what he's thinking, like he's going to retire there as opposed to win there. I guess, but I, I think he's basically saying, I don't want to handle those ex those title expectations. Um, because it's not like you're playing with like a guy that's going to get you the ball that much anyway like you're playing with russ the guy who took like 40 something shots in their last playoff game like you know it's not like you're going to like ricky rubio like a guy who's going to get you the ball but paul george got locked up by joe jingles <laughs> good point like like is this really is this really like I'm just, I don't know. I, I need to see what happens with Mello before I totally rule this out. Because, you know, they had that crazy party. I think they they knew something was going on with Mello and wasn't sure what it's going to develop into. So one thing that I've heard uh, from Bill Simmons on the conspiracy thread is that Adam Silver intervened and basically told Paul George and told the Lakers that they basically couldn't form a partnership. That Adam Silver swept the whole Magic Johnson tampering under the rug um, in exchange for saying Paul George cannot be a Laker next year. That's a pretty good conspiracy. Feels it feels more. I don't know if it feels more conspiratorial than the Chris Paul thing, but it. I could definitely see that being a thing, though. But Adam Silver's so like hands offish. Like it would feel weird to me that he would do that. 
Yeah, I mean... He's so much for the players. Like, very little of what he's done has been, like, pro-league parity and, like, pro-the yeah. association. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's conspiracy, so, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to back this up with any kind of facts. Um, I'm going to run with it, though. So, Adam Silver I, I broke the so. NBA. I don't know. I think it's more likely that Paul George is... Is afraid. I think I think he's a guy that is afraid to be the guy to win. I think that injury really shook him up. Maybe he just really trusts a guy that averages a triple double every season. That's just statistically better than LeBron and averaging triple doubles. Or maybe like another guy in the league who's coming off an injury out in the West. Big guy. Usually plays at the five. Out of temperamental, heading to the bay. Talking about Boogie. What's your thoughts on Boogie signing with the Warriors? All right, so so how this shook down is the craziest part to me, and I think that's the craziest part to everybody. So, so the Pelicans acquired Boogie like two years ago, during his contract, like in the middle of the season. It kind of didn't figure it out the two years ago. They kind of figured it out this year, but then he got injured during the All Star break. So. Anthony Davis wears Boogie's jersey during the All-Star game. And <laughs> now uh, they go into the playoffs. They sweep Portland. They give Golden State as good of a chance as anybody, really. And now they don't give Boogie any kind of qualifying offer or extension. And Golden State's the only team that gives him an offer for, like, $5 million. Like, this is insane to me. I don't know. I think this sounds too much like Boogie spin. Um, I think he did have like a. I think he had like a verbal offer with the Pelicans maybe a few months ago. Um, because obviously the Pelicans can talk to Boogie, you know, whenever they don't have to wait till July. Um, and I think they might have talked to him like after his injury, and he just didn't really like the deal. Um. And then obviously when Julius Randle comes in, I mean that that's like the clear indicator that Boogie's out. Um, but I really find it hard to believe that Boogie didn't have any good offers. I think he just wanted to go to an immediate playoff team. And, you know, that rules out like 24 teams out of the league. That's a good point. I mean, you got to think about his, his sort of record in of his NBA career. Like he's been on some really shitty Sacramento teams for the longest yeah, time. It's been like 10 years and he hasn't. He hasn't played in the playoffs. This was really his best year, like not only as like a player on a good team, but like chance to actually win stuff. And he got injured, so I'm sure he's like he was really upset and mad. And now he's like, all right, I just want to win. Like, like let's get over it. Let's, you know. And additionally, it kind of opens up the floor for him a lot more than with Anthony Davis because they kind of played like f four out with AD and him and they would just kind of take turns who was on the inside. Yeah. But this way it's like, all right, you are literally the only big man on this roster. Here you go. Yeah, Anthony Davis should be playing the five. To all the terrible GMs in the league, Anthony Davis is a five. It's not so much he's a five, it's that everybody else got shorter. Yeah, he's a five. Even ten years ago, he would have been a five. In the Shaq and Kobe years, he's a five. 
Uh, I think in like 2007, he's a four. He's like Kevin Garnett size, right? Nah, I think he's always been a five. I mean, this, this just hypes up the fact that Anthony Davis can win MVP next year. Ooh, yeah, good point. I, I don't, I don't think I see it. Um, he'd have to play just so many minutes, and he's had some injury problems in the past. I mean, that you know, the big thing is that these guys, um, are picking up injuries a lot now. Um, the the way the game is played, you know, playing. 37, 38 minutes a game is hard. Unless you're LeBron, I guess. But, you know, another thing I've been thinking about is, you know, is, is Boogie basically going soft by just trying to get a ring? Um, or is he playing the game in order to get a max contract somewhere? You know, like a four-year deal, five-year deal. You know, without ever really playing 60 games in a season ever again. Because uh, he's a big man, and big men usually struggle with injuries. And once you start losing it, you don't really get it back. Yeah, this is. I think this is probably a. He's like, all right, let me try this one year deal. See if I can piggyback for a ring. Maybe I'll come back like after the All Star break, and push this team over the hump. Um. And then maybe next year I'll go somewhere else, sign a longer-term deal, and kind of keep getting them checks there. Um, so I'm I'm okay from this from a personal perspective. I think it's kind of a little upsetting from like a loyalty perspective with the Pelicans because right? I I feel like everybody there liked him. The town really liked him because he was like their first big free agent signing like ever. It seemed like he enjoyed being there, so it, it's it was kind of all of a sudden to me. I feel like most people expected New Orleans to kind of keep him because nobody else would bite on an Achilles injury from a player that's had some chemistry and attitude problems. But okay, I, everyone's complaining Golden State's now OP again, but you got to think, Boogie's probably not coming back for like half the season. Yeah, but, I mean, if he does come back and he plays 80%, I mean, you know, a few years ago they upgraded from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant. Now they've basically gone from JaVale McGee to Boogie. Um, you know, is Boogie being in the Bay, is this critical mass for kind of the casual NBA fan? You know, are, you know is this kind of the tipping point for this franchise? Are the Warriors now considered, you know, the quote-unquote villains of the league? I think they're I think they are they they kind of still are but it's more of just like a carryover from Kevin Durant being the snake. I I feel like people are kind of exhausted of being like, "Oh, you know, the Warriors are too good. The Warriors this, the Warriors that." It's like, "Okay, we we all get it. They got some ridiculous, you know, Kevin Durant kind of backstabbed everybody and now Boogie kind of is along for the ride and like David West hopped along for the ride and all these other guys doing one-year things. It's like, okay, guys, like maybe you're getting a little too much stuff handed your way. Maybe they need to look at these 
you know, mid-level exceptions and qualifying offers and more nitty-gritty into the money in terms of how all this shakes out, but I'm not really mad. It's like I kind of actually want them to win more this year than last year because I'd rather see Boogie get a ring, but seeing JaVale get a ring is pretty funny too. Yeah, I mean, the real, I guess, bad guys of the situation were the Players Association. Um, they're the ones that voted in the CBA for that you know, salary cap explosion after the 2016 season, which allowed Kevin Durant to go to Golden State, um, you know, and that summer there was just money flying everywhere, right? Drew Holiday picks up like a $100 million contract. Um, Tyson Chandler gets paid a lot. Like Chandler Parsons picks up like a huge contract in Memphis. So, you know, you can't really blame the Warriors for basically gaming the system, but... You know, this conversation about being a champion or having a ring, I think, has really changed. Um, you know, the usual conversation has always been, well, like, Charles Barkley's the greatest player to, like, never win a ring. But, you know, if, if, if this Golden State team, it's like, I don't know how much I can let Kevin Durant just have his ring without kind of knocking him a bit uh, for it. I think it's totally fair to knock him for joining a 73-win team. I think it's not fair to knock the original Golden State cast because they did win one on their own, and they made some culture and game plan attractive enough for a superstar to come in and fit right in. So, Yeah, I mean, I think the crazy thing is in 2015, that finals, uh, no Kyrie, no Kevin Love. The Warriors won in six. The Warriors, you know, had a really good chance of not actually getting that title. Cleveland could have won in 2015. Next year, 73 wins. They don't win the title. So, you know, two years could have been Cleveland beating Golden State. So I think Golden State knew that. And they thought, man, we, we're we not really beating LeBron. We're kind of squeaking it out based on, like, injuries and things like that. So they, they get Kevin Durant, which is fine. They have Kevin Durant, and they're like, we're so afraid to lose to LeBron in the finals again that we're going to try to get Kevin Durant, the only guy besides maybe Kawhi, who can just kind of match him up as evenly as possible. And Cleveland still has probably one of the top five offensive teams of the decade. Like, this is that was a really good team. They just happened to go against an even better juggernaut in Golden State. But honestly, Cleveland could have had a three-peat, like, very closely. That that 2017 Cavs team was really good, even though they lost in five. Yeah, no, you, you've got a point uh, there. And I think, again, having LeBron in L.A. scared Golden State a little bit more, and they said, yeah, we'll take this chance on Boogie just to completely, like, try to stack the deck against LeBron. Now, what if this boogie idea is more of, hey, we're worried about the Pelicans, so let's try and take one of their things by and sort of addition by subtraction type thing, or maybe they're thinking, oh, boogie might go to L.A. with LeBron. Let's try and get him before that happens. Yeah, that's a a real possibility. But from everything that I've seen with Boogie's um, story on this, it's that 
it really came more down to Boogie wanting to be on the Warriors and the Warriors really wanting Boogie. Um, but I do think this opens the door for 2021 when Anthony Davis hits the market. And if I'm the Warriors, I mean, that's who I'm going for. I'm going for Anthony Davis um, because Clay and Draymond could be out in the next two years. Um, Steph in a few years is going to be 33. You know, Kevin Durant's going to be over 30. Anthony Davis is looking pretty good. I'm, I'm going to be amazed at how Boogie fits into this team chemistry. I feel like it's going to, it could very well miss badly and kind of screw them up. Uh, is, is Boogie going to the Warriors essentially killed CP3's chances at a ring? He just signed a four-year deal, so he's basically going to be in Houston probably for the rest of his career. Um, the Warriors got better. Um, Houston actually got worse. Yeah, Houston lost Trevor Reza. I think that was huge. I think that's secretly huge. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people make it out to seem. Trevor Reza's 33 years old. Feels kind of like a Jared Dudley trade from a couple years ago where he went into Phoenix and kind of just disappeared. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that, that window, I think, for this Rockets team, I think it passed. I don't know why, you know, got all these free agents going on right now. I think it's the Rockets are just kind of the their hands are a little tied with with space for money and space for players to try and get a really another good free agent to tip them over the edge. Uh, I think it's like so, you know, we've seen now with Kyrie and Paul George, people don't want to play with LeBron. I don't think people want to play for Mike D'Antoni. I I'm not a fan of Mike D'Antoni. I have not been a fan of Mike D'Antoni ever. Um, I thought he just, you know, destroyed those Suns teams. You know, the fact that they never got to a finals. Um, I basically put on Suns owner uh, and Mike D'Antoni. Like, his system just isn't a playoff system. It'll work in the regular season when nobody really plays that much defense. Guys are resting, you know, teams take the night off on a back-to-back. I'm not sure people, you know, people say they don't want to play with LeBron, but isn't playing with LeBron like playing with James Harden? It's like very similar experience, I think, if you're just a three-point shooter and defense kind of guy. Um, I mean, I think the big thing that, that LeBron brings to the table, though, is that he does make everyone else better. Um, we just saw the best Jeff Green ever for two games in the Eastern Conference Finals, game six and seven. Jeff Green. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, he made Norris Cole and Mario Chalmers in Miami look like, you know, underrated backup guards. Well, okay, but think about, like, Clint Capella. Like... That guy is going to get a huge payday thanks to James Harden. I mean, Tristan Thompson got a huge payday thanks to LeBron. I think they're much more similar. I don't know. Maybe it's something in the locker room or, you know, something we don't see. But I I think playing with James Harden would be a lot like playing with LeBron. And I feel like it wouldn't be that fun. Ooh, interesting. I don't know. Um... A lot of standing around, waiting for a pass type deal. I mean, I think Houston 
they they missed their title opportunity, you know, their title window uh, two years ago when they didn't sign Kevin Durant. They missed it when they lost Josh Smith. And Corey Rue? I don't know. If, if they had signed Kevin Durant in 2016, um, I think Houston would be okay. But this team, the system doesn't really work with the personnel. I mean, they're going to get a little bit better. Houston with Mabaa Mute getting more minutes. Like, he's basically going to get all those Trevor Ariza minutes. Jump shooting team will never win the NBA Finals. And uh, a team that shoots more than 53s a game probably won't win one either. All right, so what what else are we, we talking about here with Boogie? So um, in terms of Boogie and realistically the rest of his career, is he going to be sort of the, you know, journeyman you know tour of duty that kind of dwight howard's got going on now where he got injured he came back he's obviously not as good as he used to be but he's still like serviceable enough but then he gets all these crazy deals kind of bouncing around the cities or yeah i think his uh his four ceiling outlook is his four could be like derrick rose when derrick rose came back never really the same never really had that athleticism um, which, you know, Boogie's a pretty athletic big. Like, that guy can move. Um, but, I, you know, his ceiling could be like Paul George, where it's like you come back from injury and you're 80, 85% of what you were. I don't know if we're ever going to see, like, you know, 2015, 16 Boogie again. Yeah, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. I think it's, I think it's going to come somewhere between. You know, I don't think we're going to see like a Sean Livingston kind of renaissance for Boogie, where he changes his game. You know, to be able to elongate it and be successful, I think it's going to fall under that Paul George, Derrick Rose spectrum. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, he's the, he's a crowd favorite here over at the the Heart in the Paint podcast. Pour one out for Boogie. Yep, we're we're pouring one out off screen right now. Yep, there it goes. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for our Art in the Paint podcast for today's episode. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed this wonderful time talking about LeBron, the Lakers, the potential for Boogie Cousins. Next time we'll kind of wrap up free agency hopefully but who knows a lot of things going on uh particularly summer league starting today i guess probably yesterday if by the time that you all are listening to this i'm really looking forward to seeing phoenix play see some of those uh top tier lottery picks play in a couple games uh looks very promising uh, i've seen Jaron Jackson Jr. has been putting up some great numbers. Doncic has been looking great in practice. DeAndre Ayton's you know been looking great. You know who I'm interested in saying? Who? Uncle Drew. Oh, yes. Uncle Drew came out in theaters 
about a week ago. Uh, I personally haven't seen it yet. I saw the new Jurassic Park instead, and I was relatively unimpressed. It was kind of it was worse <laughs> than the first Jurassic World. Really can't imagine why. Um, yeah, I really okay. So I really hate the lead <laughs> actress in that movie. She's got like I know she's in it because she's like the daughter of someone famous and stuff, but like. Her hairstyle with the bangs is awful. She has like very I feel like she doesn't have a lot of facial expression, even though she like <laughs> talks with expression. Um and her character in this movie is like worse than in the last one. Like she has she's like an animal rights activist pretty much. And for dinosaurs. Yeah. She has like no depth. <laughs> like the only the saving grace of this movie was Chris Pratt and um Doing Chris Pratt things. Yeah, it was basically like, all right, here's a B-list Chris Pratt movie. I'm like, okay, like that's serviceable. And the one thing that kind of pissed me off the most, not really the most, but a substantial amount, is they didn't have one of those great like Jurassic Park scenes where it's like the T-Rex is roaring and then the theme music's playing. <laughs> you know, they had that in the last movie and it was amazing. I know they tried to do it in this movie when the... The super raptor is on top of the mansion and it's in the moonlight, but they end up playing like some horror music or something. It's come on. The problem is they everything that this franchise has ever wanted to do was done in the very first Jurassic Park movie. Pretty much like, like it, everything they've done after this has basically been kind of rehashed, kind of like Star Wars now, where it's like they're not really trying to do anything new. They're just trying to sell you you know, the newest, the newest kind of updated look of it. Yeah. And, and there were so many times in that movie where it's just like, oh man, here's an intense, you know, disaster scenario and we're <laughs> going to get out of it. Oh, we're going to set you up for another one. Oh, you're going to get out of it. Caution, oh, we're going to set you up for another dangerous. one. <laughs> it's like, it's like how many close calls can you just jam pack into one movie? And 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 then at the end, okay, so it's probably gonna be some spoilers, but at the end when they do like the gas starts flooding into the kind of dungeon part of that mansion, like, oh, this would be a great time for like the humans to get trapped in with the dinosaurs. And it'd be a great excuse for them to have to like release them all out into the wild. But no, no, the people aren't trapped down there, the people get out. And so then it's like, oh, well, we have all these dinosaurs trapped in this poisonous gas that somehow doesn't affect us staring here looking at this button to open up the door and let them free into the world. Oh, let me just slowly open up the gates for each dinosaur that I want to let free. Do I want to think about letting a T-Rex free into, you know, Northern California? Nah, let's just not even worry about it. Instead, I'm just going to stand here and be this animal rights activist and and really think about opening the door and then because i'm a director and i know she's thinking about it i'm gonna have the the fucking clone child go behind my back and open the door for everybody and of course you know as soon as that door opens the first carnivore is gonna go kill the big bad guy okay so i haven't actually seen this movie this sounds woefully terrible it'll still make a billion dollars and oh, it made so much money. The the dumb, you know, lowest common denominator, mass consumerism will will 
you know, provide us with a sequel to this movie. Unfortunately, like many audiences today, they're just dumb. And they like dumb things. And they like dumb movies. Hey, the upside is movie tickets here are like $7, so it's totally worth it. And they like to make dumb arguments like Boogie Cousins is selling out by going to the Warriors. Well, it's a better argument than uh, Mike Korzemba saying X player is breaking the NBA <laughs> with clickbait YouTube video left, right, and center. And with that, we will end our Heart in the Paint podcast for this week. Uh, if you would like to follow us, you can do so on the SoundCloud associated links below. We always love hearing your feedback uh, per our email and in the comments section. Uh, in the coming episodes, we're kind of compiling some mailbag questions and we'll be answering those as we get to them. We'd like to give a special shout out to our viewer of the Fortnite this week. This week, it is Macho Man Randy Savage. So we thank you again, Macho Man, for supplying us with your ears and download for this week's podcast. And with that, we all wish you a wonderful weekend, and we will talk to you next week.